Morning. Oh, Adam and Sarah are front row. Is there something wrong? You guys okay? What's going on? Who took their spot? Awesome. Welcome. Adam's mom's here. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lewis and Haley, for that. Thank you, Lord. God is good. God is on the move. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to open in prayer. Thank you, God. We just thank you for what you're doing in this church. We thank you for what you're doing in the planet. It's our desire to get in tune with what you're doing. To hear what you're saying and to see what you're doing and get behind that, Lord. We ask you to speak to us today, above all the noise, above all the rhetoric, above all the social media. We are desperate to hear from God. I pray that you'd break through the noise. I pray that you'd help us to hear. I pray the wax would be removed in Jesus' name. I even pray for my own ears to hear from you, Lord. We just commit this time to you. Thank you for transformation. Thank you for your desire to change us from glory to glory. We just pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. Well, if you're the first time you're here, we're, we're going through the book of Ephesians. And we're looking to land uh, at the end of chapter 1 today. We've been working our way through. And I just feel to, again, go over a little bit of what was done last week. Now, when I look at this list myself and I meditate on it, and, I, and I, 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 it, it stirs me to think of what we have in Christ. And this is not the full arsenal, as it were. But I ask myself, Lord, how much understanding do I have? If this is a meal and you're walking up and Paul is the chef, for me, it's roast beef, Yorkshire pudding, roast potatoes, even Brussels sprouts. For you, it might be some tofu thing. I don't know. But you're looking at it like the, like the, the food channel. I'm not a food channel guy, forgive me, but I know people that do watch the food channel. It's the most bizarre thing to me because you're watching something you can't eat. Like, oh, somebody tasted that. What's it like? What's it like? And so Paul has displayed this incredible meal as a master chef. And you look at it, you think, how do I digest this? How do I assimilate this? Instead of just looking at it. You ever try to eat plastic fruit? It's hard to digest. You know that wax stuff? Okay. See, without understanding, without revelation, we're not able to digest it. And if we're not able to digest it, we're not able to appropriate it. If we're not able to appropriate it, we're not able to walk in it. So there we are, the food channel. Eating breadcrumbs as we watch people make amazing meals, as we, as we read Paul's incredible exhortation here in, 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 what, 13 verses or so. And sometimes I think, well, some of it is, is just the difference of our experience of how we assimilate the Bible, how we look at the scriptures, how we study them, and so foreign to the human condition experience as we go to work each day, as we earn our money, as we desire for a house, as we desire for a better car, as we, as we desire for our children to go to the universities and various things, the challenges we face, which consume most of our lives. See, part of me thinks, if Paul had said this, maybe put this way, God has blessed you with all financial blessings in waterfront places in West Vancouver. He has filled our bank accounts with millions of dollars. 
and has provided for all of his children wealth and riches and vacation properties. Credit cards with no limits. Endless. In the natural, we get that. Why? Because we know how to spend money. We also have a bit of a desire to have a bit more dough in the bank. Wouldn't mind a better car. Wouldn't mind a different house. These are desires that are already within us, since it were. Instantly relatable. Instantly like, give me it. Where's the property? Hey, you just got to go knock on the door. You got to go. Which one? Instantly. Whoa, 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 what, what? What did you say? Instantly relatable. We don't need any translation. We understand this immediately. It's the world and culture that we live in. It hits the very hearts and desires of those who think like Adam. Adam's way of thinking. And you see that in the scripture. And the Lord's exhortation, even in Matthew 6, not pursue such things, but pursue the kingdom. There's a lot to take in when you look at that. And I think Paul is aware of this. He is well aware of this. This is an extremely important education Paul is getting to. It's just not enough to know it. That's the story. We've got to know it, but it's not enough just to know it. We need revelation. We need wisdom. These promises do not appeal to the flesh. They have no appeal to Adam. They have appealed to the spirit. Sorry. If I, if I have offended young one. There's a wonderful passage I want to turn to that Paul really helps us understand a bit more of what we are. To help us digest, not just to know, but to digest, to appropriate, to walk in. And it's actually found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now, the Corinthian church was a church that would, was, was heavily influenced by Greek thought. And it wanted knowledge. And it says that knowledge puffed them up. So the more knowledge they got, the more puffed up they got. And Paul's trying to appeal to them. To not pursue even the, the truth and the knowledge of God through the knowledge of Adam. Grounded knowledge. Knowledge that does not help you. I mean, Paul could go toe-to-toe with them if they wanted to go academic on him, as it were. But he says to them in chapter 1, he says, The gospel I preached was not in eloquent words. You know how the people pontificate on YouTube? Pontificate on, 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 in, in whatever other social media? He says, no, I did not use eloquent words. Why? So that the cross of Christ would not be made void. For the cross is foolishness to those who are lost. But to those who are being saved, it is the very power of God. So he's challenging on them on how they even view kingdom. And by which means they are trying to assimilate or digest it. But it's not getting in. Because they're still acting like mere men. They're still walking like Adam. Yes, they may be positionally in Christ. But their mind is yet to be renewed. Because we need a renewing of the mind, Romans chapter 12. And when our mind is renewed, we start to act differently. So positionally, the core church is in Christ, but mentally, they're still in Adam. And you can see this preached a lot in the first world churches, where come to Jesus and you'll be rich. And Paul talks about it in 1 Timothy 3, that they, they preach that, that godliness is a means of great gain. Riches, riches, riches. And I'm not saying you're supposed to be poverty as well. I'm just saying it's not in the scripture. And it's the way Adam would want it. But it's not the way 
that the Spirit of God wants us to interpret it. And he talks about, here, I'm just going to, as we get into Corinthians here, he says, look, the world does not understand the wisdom I'm talking about. And he's talking about heaven, and God's preparing a place. And he says, eye is not seen, nor is it entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So whatever the world or Adam thinks of, of heaven, it's nothing like heaven. Because it hasn't even entered into their hearts. So you're like, ah, okay, what does that mean? For to us, God reveals them through the Spirit. For the Spirit churches all things, even the depths of God. It is through the Spirit we get revelation. For who among people know the thoughts of a person except the spirit of the person that is in him? So also the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God so that we might know things freely given us by God. How do you know the things freely given you by God? You read them or there's a revelation by the spirit of God. I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb. What am I testing? That's, that's words I've said. But there's an ignition, there's a, there's a communication, there's a translation to your heart by the Spirit of God. We also speak these things, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts and spiritual words. But the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. They do not have the hard drive or the mechanism. It's like, I don't know, a Mac in a, uh, a PC. Whatever analogy you'd want to use. When they look at you when you preach the gospel to them, and they think you're an idiot for believing it, you might have preached the right gospel. Because the cross of Christ is foolishness to those who are lost. Understand, God knew this. It says even in first chapter 1 there. It says, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believed. To the Jews, it was a stumbling block. To the Greeks, the heady people, the smart people, the intellectual people, it's foolishness. God knew this well before. So stop watering down the gospel. Stop changing it to fit into your culture. It's the same gospel that was preached 2,000 years ago. It's the same gospel that's preached regardless of culture. When we water down the gospel, we water down the effects of the gospel. It is the very power of God. But it's a communication by the Spirit of God. But the one who is spiritual discerns all things, yet he himself is discerned by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that we should instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. This must be at the forefront of our hearts as we understand, as we open the book, as we read. To understand it, it's the Holy Spirit that reveals. We seek God. We position ourselves. We spend time, but God must speak. God must reveal. Remember when Jesus turns to Peter and, and the boys, he says, hey guys, who do people say that I am? Uh, some say you're John the Baptist, others prophet, Elijah. And he says, Peter, who do you say that I am? 
Well, you're, well, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And don't think they all had that revelation because Philip didn't know who he was. And it's revealed in John 15. He says, to, he says to Peter with that revelation, it was revealed to him from heaven. That the Father in heaven revealed it to him by the Spirit of God. And oh, how we need to, in order to digest what Paul is speaking about in all Scripture, we need ignition from the Holy Spirit. We need to seek God in these things. And I believe as, as, as we've looked at the scripture, the, the next couple scriptures here in Ephesians, we looked at this at the start of how Paul prayed. I believe this is why he takes a bit of a pause for a second. As he's unleashed these incredible truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ, he says this in verse 15. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists amongst you, and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, while making mention of you in your, my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And you can see this. I've grown up in the church. I've, I've been in multiple different types, very conservative denominations, you know, so on without the, don't believe in the gifts of the spirit. I've been, I've seen this so many times where we have the knowledge of the scripture, but it has no life in us. Where still sin abounds. There's no life to the truth of God in us. It's just an acquisition of understanding. Okay, check, got it. But there's no growth because it's a spirit that brings life. It's a spirit that gives life. And without the, that's what Paul, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of God would grow. I pray that the eyes of our heart, our hearts, our affections, what we love, what we want to spend money on, what we want to spend time on. I can look at your credit cards and find out what your heart's about. I'm not saying it's all bad. I'm just saying it's just true. The affection is where your treasure is, your heart is also. That our hearts may be enlightened so that you will know the hope of his calling. What are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints? Incredible. The hope. The calling that we have. The inheritance and what is the boundless greatness of his power towards us who believe? Lord, give us revelation. As we seek him, give us revelation. I, I encourage us today. I know for myself, memorization of scripture is a key part to following Christ and growing in Christ. And I know I've said it before, and I don't mind saying it again. The meditation on who he is, who we serve in the scriptures, the memorization, not just sort of somewhere in the back. And then in that, God begins to work. And I don't know how he does it. I have heard of people go to the throne room, and they come back and they talk about Jesus. I ain't never been there. But I have in the scripture. I have gone to Revelation 4 and 5. I go to Isaiah 6, memorize it, get to know it. I allow God to reveal himself to your spirit, spirit to spirit. You'd be shocked at how the strength comes from within rather than without, outside. But inside, the river of life that begins to stir in us. And you stop like to eating spiritual donuts and McDonald's, spiritual McDonald's, and you long for meat. You long for something of nourishment and sustenance. 
Paul continues in Ephesians chapter 1 here. What is the boundless greatness of his power to believe, to us who believe? Amazing. These are in accordance with the working of his strength and of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. There's that heavenly places again. See, not only through Adam, if you remember the first couple sermons, did sin grip us, but through sin, death got a hold of us. Remember in, 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 uh, when, when God warned Adam of, of disobedience, he said, if you sin, if you don't obey me, you will die. And we see in Romans chapter 5, there's sort of a bit of a, an unpacking of what, what Adam did. Spiritual Adam, by the way, Adam. What he did, and it says, through one man sin came into the earth. And through sin, death came and spread to all men because all have sinned. So it's that the Lord not only is dealing with sin, he's also dealing with death. It's a powerful, powerful thing to contemplate. It says here in Hebrews chapter 2, but we do not see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of his suffering, death, because of his suffering death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by his grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. We no longer fear death because he has taken it. He was, went into it and he was raised out of it. Therefore, since children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also took of the same, so that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. And free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Powerful what he's done. The power of death could not prevail against him. I don't understand the personality of death. I know they try, you know, you see the grim reaper. There's try, you know, I, I don't understand any of these things other than there seems to be, there's a force, there's a personality of it. Because it's actually cast into Hades. Uh, hell and Hades are cast in. Uh, sorry, death and Hades are cast into hell in, in Revelation 20. But there's almost like this personality. Like there's a personality to sin when, when, when God says to Cain, sin is waiting at the door and it desires for you, but you must master it. Jesus has dealt the death blow to death. There's actually a funny title of a book that I've read. The death of death and the death of Jesus Christ. But he overcame it. It has been said that if, if the display of the crucifixion was the, one of the ultimate expressions of God's love for us, the crucifixion is, 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 is God showing his ultimate sacrifice for you and I then the resurrection is, is, is one of the most powerful displays of his power and might. As you can imagine the situation, just Jesus rising from the dead, ascending. And in light of that, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet, and made him head over all things 
to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You can sort of see, get a glimpse of when Jesus says, come follow me, I am your master, that there's a lot of truth and and rationale behind that when you consider who he is. I was thinking of doing a slide where Jesus was at the top and then all the talking heads, all the presidents that we're all aware of are well below him. It says he is a far above. Far above. And, And Jesus is the king and the head. And if you read Colossians chapter 2 in particular, it's, it's powerful. Well, one into two of what the position of Jesus Christ is. It's like Paul just continues to go on about who he is and what he's done. And even in this chapter, he says he is the culmination of all things. At the end of this, he says he's all in all. Who is our hope? Jesus. Who's our provider? Jesus. Who forgives us? Jesus. 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 Jesus, 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 Jesus. You can see why Paul pretty, was pretty caught up with Jesus, pretty fanatical with Jesus. If he was a doctor, there's just one, the one box of pills that he goes for. People come in with a myriad of different issues. Hey, I got Jesus, he is above all. He is supreme. Now, we can say that to the world, but do you have that revelation yourself? Have you been alone seeking God in your own room with no one else around and he's come in the room in a sense? There's something about the presence of God in the, and you realize before him who you are and who he is. He's a really, really big deal. Even in heaven, it's an amazing situation in uh, in Revelation 4 when it talks about the throne room and John enters the throne room and he's like, everything is like Sounds like a valley girl. And it's like this and like that. Because he cannot relate to what he's seen. He's trying to use earthly examples to explain the supernatural experience. But it's an amazing thing when you see in Revelation 5, it says, it says it's, it's so powerful in the expression of who Jesus is in heaven, let alone earth. It says, I saw the man who sits on the throne, and in his hand was a book. And on that book, it had seven seals. There was writing on the inside and the outside, and I heard a loud angel say, who is worthy to unlock, to unseal this book? And they looked far and wide, and they found none worthy in heaven where there is no sin. They found none. And John begins to weep at this revelation. Who's going to open it? And one of the other goes, why do you weep? For there is Jesus, the lion from the lion of the tribe of Judah. And there's such an incredible scene. It says he looked and he saw one who looked like a lamb that was slain. In other words, the scars were there. It wasn't like there was something about him that you could tell he looked as though a lamb slain. He didn't look like a spotless lamb, in a sense, perfectly intact. He looked across and he saw. And this is an incredible scene. And a picture. And my mind cannot comprehend it, but my spirit absorbs it. And it's hard to not get on your knees before him. Then the natural man cannot absorb this. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Okay, good for you. But it's this time alone with him where we, we throw off the desires of, the, of Adam, 
And we go, getting serious about the things of God. Lord, I need to get this. It's not working what I do now. You know to lose weight, you've got to be focused. Well, most of us. You've got to change what you eat. It kind of does invade your world a bit. You go out for lunch with your buddies and they're having this. You're like, dude, I can't eat that. You have to be intentional. It is no different in the spiritual realm. Jeb said it well. We have as much of God as we want. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the hungry. Blessed are the thirsty. Blessed are those who pursue not religion of men, but that which is from above through the word of God. It's an amazing thing that the word of God can offend Adam. You're like, this is, I don't like that. Because of the culture of Adam. Adam's right now. Adam's this culture. But the spirit is timeless. The spirit is from above. And our spirit, as he testifies to our spirit in his spirit, it brings life. It brings zeal. It brings focus. So that when you're continuing to press on through the valley of the shadow of death, when life is going sideways, we press on. Why? Because they were connected with the spirit of God. And you know this when you, when you have a revelation, when God steps in, he goes, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Father. And yet we all have the, the, the knowledge in a sense that God is our Father. If you've been in the faith for a while, we can all, as it were, regurgitate. I mean that in a, in a good way. We can all say things, but it's the revelation and the digestion and the appropriation and the walking in that this is what this is all about. We often say in the eldership, Lord, let us eat first. As we call out to the world, come, eat. Come, those who are thirsty. Buy with, with, without money. It is freely yours. Come. We want to be really fat kids spiritually because we eat ourselves. We press into the grace of God, which is beyond this world, ourselves. We meet with him with fresh manna. Fresh manna for today. The manna, remember when God touched you and talked to you last year? And let's get a little bit old now because we want fresh manna for today. Not that we shouldn't have testimony. We need testimony. But, oh, Lord, freshness today. Let God speak to our spirits. Let him testify the truths of what we've just gone through in chapter 1. Don't be surprised by resistance as you press into God, as you start to look at his word, as you start to memorize his word. You want to know what Jesus? Go in the word and memorize about Jesus. There's so much in there and who he is. Let's stand together. I'm just going to ask uh, Lewis and Haley to come. Jesus, we just come before you fresh here. We ask for revelation. We ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. We ask that you would spread forth light in our hearts to know the hope. Oh God, the inheritance that we might know the power of God released when you were in, in displayed in raising Jesus Christ from the dead. Lord, we don't want to live just live. We don't want to be just fed enough, just close enough, just warm enough. Lord, we look for the life and life abundance that is in Christ Jesus. We take you at your word. 
We rise up in the spirit to take hold of your spirit, Lord God. We call out for breakthrough in our mindsets. Breakthrough in the areas that we think about you. I just pray, Father, a hunger for the word of God. The word. The word. The pure word, Lord. You give each one a hunger to know the word of God. A hunger for the knowledge of God. Everything else is falling compared to knowing you. We yield our hearts, Lord, to you. We ask that you would speak. We ask that you would draw. We ask that you would point out error. We ask that you would lead us to repentance. We ask that you would lead us and give us courage to make life changes. We want to live. And we want to live life and life abundantly. We want to stand in the cultures as pillars of righteousness. We aren't going to run to the hills like cowards. We want to stand fast and beam Jesus Christ. We want to be a lighthouse for you. We want men and women to see the good works that flow out of this church and through the people of this church and give glory to the Father in heaven. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is in West Vancouver, North Vancouver. Jesus is here. We are his body. He is the head. We yield to you by the spirit, not by the flesh, not by Adam. We put on Christ. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. We lift you high. We thank you for the finished work. We thank you that this is complete. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Let's just worship together here.